Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. There is still time to take advantage of the free registration for the IBC Worldview Conference, but you have to act fast because this conference begins this evening. Visit indianabiblecollege.org forward slash worldview to register and for more information. The goal, of course, of this conference is to prepare for the worldviews encountered on college campuses and in culture. The Indiana Bible College Worldview Conference is a set of special virtual lectures for young people wanting to engage their minds and strengthen their understanding of the Christian worldview in order to help them combat and overcome secular worldviews that happen on college campuses and in the world. Again, visit indianabiblecollege.org forward slash worldview to register and for more information. This summer, Calvary Tabernacle elected Reverend Joshua B. Carson as its pastor, which means that he now serves as the president of Indiana Bible College. Reverend Carson sat down with us to help you, our listener, get to know him. In our conversation, we discussed things like never-before-heard stories, which took place on the Illinois District campgrounds, what he sees for the future of Calvary Tabernacle, Calvary Christian School, and what he sees for the future of Indiana Bible College. I know that you will find our conversation with Pastor Carson a great listen. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Indiana Bible College podcast to all of our listeners, and a first welcome to our new pastor at Calvary Tabernacle and president of Indiana Bible College, Reverend Joshua B. Carson. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. What an honor. Now, I've, I've got a question, and this is not in the notes. It's just been burning on my mind. What does the B stand for? Brandon. Brandon? Yes. Okay. I know that many people have said, well, what does the B stand for? And I'm like, I don't know, Bartholomew. No. But just Brandon. <laughs> it is biblical, but not that biblical. Sure. <laughs> now, Brother Carson, many of our listeners have heard you preach at camps, conferences, or listen to your NAYC message. And during your preaching, I've heard that you grew up in Illinois. Uh, but let's offer our listeners something worth listening for. What's an inside track, uh, one story that you can share that describes Pastor Carson as a teenager? <laughs> As a teenager, well... You know that awkward time? We selected that on purpose. Yeah, (laughs) excellent. I appreciate that. Welcome, welcome. Um, I grew up in this farm community, really is what it was, an agriculture community. Hayworth Hornets, the fighting Hayworth Hornets, 2,700 people, I think, was the population. And and so in my teenage years, I think I had a... uh, I had a lot of fun, you know, I had a lot of great memories there in that small town. The early me, I would say a big part of the reason I'm here, we were four miles from the camp, uh, Illinois campground. So anyone that listens that knows the historic campground there in Wapella. So one particular summer, uh, part of what was building me, I was about 16 years old, and I worked for Illinois camp. Now, I've never told this story publicly, so this is my first time. Come on. 
anyone that's been there, there's like 2,000 or more metal folding chairs mm-hmm. that are linked together. Those were all rusty. We would load those up on a cart, take them to a sandblaster, load the sand. We sandblasted those. They got all reprimed, repainted. But also in that building, there used to be the old garage doors that folded up mm-hmm. on the sides, no AC. There's these, we were replacing all that work, and there's these large metal rafters. So we would set up scaffolding, four or five scaffolds high, and then a chair in the very middle to hand grind <laughs> the rust all these. So standing on the chair. Standing on the chair. OSHA, we're S- sorry. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. That was a day or two ago. So regulations were bad then, though, I'm sure as well. Uh, but while we're doing all this, we're doing this hard work, and it was hard work. But here's my confession. The same campground that helped build me, and I made a monumental decision, maybe we'll even get to that, to, to really follow the call of God on my life uh, to preach. But while we're working for the campground, we got the bright idea of setting up all the Pink Panther insulation and doing some dives off of mm. the scaffolding. <laughs> and so if the district superintendent, Brother Brideop at the time, had he ever walked in at these 16-year-olds that were getting paid, I will tell you that we took our breaks to do flips off the scaffolding <laughs> onto the mounds. I'm talking it was about probably 20 feet deep where we had piled up of this insulation that we would. So, yes, we did work very hard, but we had some great playtime. Wow. So that's a that's probably a little snapshot of me as a teenager. I loved anything with church, being around the campgrounds, uh, being involved, but I was very much, there was that little bit of that side to me sure. as well that wanted to just have fun. Sure. Had my 1991 uh, Chevy S10 bright red American racing wheels that uh, <laughs> it might have got me into a, 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 you know, I felt I felt pretty good about myself during that, yeah. during that age. Rightfully so. Thank you. Rightfully very much. so. I, I had Chevy, I had uh, American racing rims on, on my F-150. So as soon as so you, you said that. you know the power. Yeah. You, you oh, yeah. took a trip oh, down memory lane absolutely. just now too. Absolutely. What, uh, what did your path to ministry, and you, you alluded to it earlier, but what did your path to ministry look like? Yeah, great question. I, You know, I felt called to preach very young, uh, at a very young age. My my mom says I would set up like uh, fake. My sister had all these stuffed animals and stuff like that. She said you'd set those up even in the living room and preach to them. She tells me, I don't have a, I, I remember a lot of my early childhood. I don't remember that, but I do remember being very young and feeling the call to preach. Um, in my teenage years, I was probably 14 or 15 when I was asked to give my first what would have been a fiery five or a sermonette. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget giving that. I preached about when the storm comes up on the Sea of Galilee and and Jesus is there. And I preached this little sermonette, remember who's on board. And I felt the anointing of God when I was speaking. I had never felt anything. For those Mm that will hear this and you felt that when you speak... It's almost intoxicating. It grabs you. It's while I had known and felt the call of God on my life, I had never felt anointed while speaking. So that set a little bit of a trajectory where um, I I had already answered s- kind of simply, yes, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do the will of God in a very general term, but the specific call to preach, uh, I hadn't really given into that completely. Um, but it was at a camp meeting right there at that same campgrounds where we had been diving off into yeah. the Pink Panther. Um, I was already working for 
State Farm Insurance. I was a senior in high school. I'd been in a marketing program. Um, Norm Pasley was preaching. He drugged this big trash can up and down the steps. Um, I was really, Brother Henderson, to tell you the truth, I was trying to do both. I really wanted to do my will mm-hmm. and God's will. And it's, it's one of those nights he got up and he, he said, I'm going to preach about taking out the trash. And I'm sitting there on the front row telling myself, he's not going to preach to me because I, I, I don't feel like I have sin in my life. It's not about that. And he screamed, and he wasn't much of a screamer, but he screamed into the mic, the great late Norm Pasley, I'm not talking about sin in your life. Mm. I'm talking about all the trash between you and what you know you're called to do. Yeah. Man, I buried my face in that carpet that night and just told God. Uh, and, and what's amazing for this podcast is what I was telling God that night is that I was going to walk away from my secular schooling that was entirely paid for and come to Indiana Bible College that fall. Wow. Uh, amazing to think the full circle of that. Yeah. And so that led me on a path. I went and I sat down with my youth pastor. I cried big tears. My dad had gone through a sickness. Uh, I was working, uh, making money. I wasn't helping support the family or anything like that, but it felt good to be making money. My dad had went through kidney failure. It was a tough time for our family during that season. And I, I remember looking across the desk at my youth pastor, and I'm just weeping these big tears. I, I want to make money. I've already been doing this marketing program. I, I feel like I'm naturally drawn to that. This is where I want to go. And he looked back at me, and he said those words that I had probably heard a dozen times, if not more. But he said, if you'll trust God, you'll never be without. He wasn't telling me I'd never have hard times, mm-hmm. but he was telling me God would open the right doors, and I found that out to be true. Yeah. Here we are 20 years later. Yeah. Introducing our new president and pastor of Indiana Bible College and Calvary Tabernacle, respectively, for sure. So here's a question that maybe some of our listeners would like to to know the answer to, but what would you like to see happen here in Indianapolis, both at Calvary Christian School, Calvary Tabernacle, Indiana Bible College, over the coming years? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd love to see, in regards to the the school, we have three amazing entities. Maybe everybody isn't aware of that, but Calvary Tabernacle, mm-hmm. obviously, but then the two entities of the school. We have a beautiful uh, K-12 through that sits right off Keystone, and then just down across the around the corner over here on Sumner, we have Indiana Bible College. The goal for all of them at, at a high level is to have exponential revival. What that means is a little different in the context of each one. In regards to the church, we are, we are already seeing some amazing things start to happen. The wheels are turning, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But really, it's a surge forward in revival, a church that is at, that is exceptional at connecting people at every level and every walk of life yeah. so that they feel integrated. Uh, I began a series, as you know about it, last mm-hmm. night, that they feel integrated into the church, and they're woven into the fabric of the church and therefore become the church outside of the structure of the building. Yeah. It's very important to me that we are recognized uh, in the city as a church that reaches and ministers, that we are not only intro, but we're outro yeah. in the in the reality Absolutely. of reaching into the community. Now, that bleeds right into our schools for our training apostolic leaders here at, mm-hmm. at our Bible college to stick to our fundamental mandate 
of who we are. Everything revolves around that mission of who we are and what we're meant to be with training. But my one of my visions for the college as a whole is that we break the glass ceiling in numbers, that yeah. we continue to grow. But while we're growing numerically, we're continuing to grow spiritually, yes. students in yeah. their spiritual maturity. One of the amazing things that we have here, we have an amazing music program, uh, but we have an amazing missiology program to see that continue to grow, not just in our global missions, but in our North American missions, Mm -hmm. training students that are equipped. I've been saying for some time and working with our national North American missions department that it it should not be easier to send a kid across the country than it is across the county. And so making sure that we're working together to train students so that when they return to their local city, their local context, that their pastor has a young person, a young adult that is well-equipped, well-trained. It's really what IBC is known for, Mm -hmm. but to continue to refine that with spectacular curriculum and really excellence in education Mm -hmm. so that they walk out with a roadmap uh, and the amazing partnership we have with so many other schools and the continued education for us to continue refining that so that it feels seamless. Uh, In regards to CCS, uh, that's got to be a safe place for our students and our, and our teachers, yeah. but it already is. One of the things we want to see is that continue to grow. My previous work with a school in Ohio, being a part of that for so long, we saw a plethora of families that were one to God and integrated into the church yeah. that became um, uh, really, they are the fabric of the church right now. So many young families that were one to God. And so our CCS K through 12 it's not just about inreach, just teaching the students from mm-hmm. our church, but very much it is a missional location. It's it's a missional opportunity for us to minister to families, whether they're churched or unchurched families, to be a safe place. So it's a place where not just excellence in education happens for them. We have state-of-the-art facilities. Yeah. We have Holy Ghost-filled apostolic instructors, and we also have the prime opportunity uh, for parents to come in and for our teachers and our leadership, even at the front office, to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and know, hey, yeah. is there anything we can pray with you about? Yeah. One of the easiest ways to build a relationship is through the opportunity for prayer. Yeah. And so I'm very excited about where we're at, but where we're headed, because the future is extremely bright with these three entities working together. Very cool. Thank you for, for sharing your heart on that. Absolutely. I know that that's... Uh... You're you're new here. <laughs> yeah. I feel that you know you're yeah. new here, yeah. and so to hear you to hear you kind of expound that is is really really great. Um, is there a like a go to motto that you have as a philosophy of life? What what is that go to kind of philosophy of life? Yeah, for our family, our family has been and remains. These are the greatest days of our life. And we live by that. That is not based on uh, where we're living. We feel like that's a mindset. Mm-hmm. If you're always looking back or you're always looking forward, you cannot enjoy the now. And sure. I believe in grasping the now. Um, and so that's kind of our family motto. My personal ministry motto that I live by, uh, philosophy is structure and oil. I live by the menorah principle. Um, it's how I try to do ministry. If I have just structure, 
I was fixing to say, give oil. me a fi- give me yeah, a five yeah. second okay. illustration okay. or so a, the a, holy, an explanation yeah, of yeah, structure great. and oil because that's so rich. Just yeah. that right there. So in the holy place where the menorah would set, you have the main the main branch and the six uh, offshoots and the decoration. The structure that was put into that is so important. If you have just that structure though, without the oil, that piece of furniture does not work. Mm-hmm. It's just another piece of furniture. And I believe in structure. We've had this discussion. But if we have just structure, yeah. but no oil, we're just another church. We're just mm-hmm. another entity. We're just another piece of furniture in a big warehouse of furniture. But if we have the oil with it, now let's pause and say if we just have oil, because we've been to those mm-hmm. places where, man, they've got the oil. And in this case, the reference would be to the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, the sure. Holy Ghost. So you got just oil, but no structure to put it in then it's a puddle on the floor. Mm -hmm. You can do your best to try to get it to burn, but the truth is those two things have to work together. I think our teaching needs good curriculum. I think our preaching needs excellent, well-thought-out structure. But those things have to be saturated with the oil. So my life motto, my personal ministry philosophy is structure and oil. I prayed it this morning. I try to pray for it every day as I'm making decisions today. One of the things I do, it's normal for me in an office, I do it at the church, I do it at headquarters, is I'll come and sit in the seat on this side, mm-hmm. and I'll pray for the guy that sits on that side of the desk. Yeah, Making sure that, yeah, because he's going to have to make big calls today, big structure calls, big, but he has to have structure mm-hmm. and oil. Because if we do any of it without both, we're going to get ourselves in trouble one yeah. way or the other. Yeah, for sure. Man, that's, I'm just sitting here thinking about it, and it's just so good. Uh, so, so do you have time for one more question here? Sure, absolutely. All right, let's let's ask this because I've always heard that leaders are readers. <laughs> However, in my age uh, and in in my uh, just kind of personal experience, I've begun to understand that leaders are readers. Yes, but more than that, leaders are learners. Mm-hmm. So. What are you currently learning, be it a podcast or a book that you're ingesting? What What are you currently learning? I, I'm learning a lot right now on capacity. What, <laughs> <laughs> what capacity? <laughs> what capacity looks like? That is a real answer. <laughs> yeah, that's the reality. You know, we're limited by capacity. Yeah. Um, uh, many people believe in the philosophy that a church cannot grow beyond the capacity of a leader, um, and. That's where I think leaders have to duplicate themselves. I do not believe in micromanagement. I believe in empowering leaders, Mm -hmm. giving them clear communication, clear structure, but empowering leaders. So personally, when I look at my own life and my own capacity, um, part of the way that I do this is through reading, yes. Part of the way I do this is through gleaning with friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, I do believe that leaders are readers, but I'm like you. Leaders are learners, and they continue to learn. Here's what I, I would stress to someone that's listening right now. You're trying to be a great leader, and so you've ordered 10 new books off Amazon or whatever. Maybe you're digital. I do a lot of digital, and I do a lot of hard print. I have a tendency to order it in hard print after if I really like it in mm-hmm. digital. Um, but my my physical library might not be as impressive to some um, as others that 
a lot of my stuff is done online and it's done digital and and through ebooks and things like that. It's just how I I work. I do a lot of sure. writing, and so it's easier to search on my laptop mm-hmm. and pull resources and to be able to footnote appropriately based on that that style. But but when it comes down to it, here's what I would really encourage you that you're trying to be a leader and you're a reader. You have to interact with your book. Do not just read, okay? Interact. It would be better for you to properly process one chapter than to peruse 10. That's how Mm -hmm. I feel. Highlighting, when you sit down with a book, I think you should sit down with a highlighter and a pen. You need to treat that book like a conversation with the author. Argue with it. You really yeah. do. You, you, you have to have feedback. If all you're trying to do, and a lot of people are just looking to pull an illustration, uh, or a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but I think there are plenty that, that treat it for the ability to say, hey, I read five books. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. But what I want to know is what did you glean from those What did you pull that's making you better? And not just your conversation with the author or with the book. What was your conversation with other leaders in your life? Because that's what I find refines the tool for me. Mm -hmm. To refine the process as a learner, for me, has taken multiple things. But my continued education journey came as a part of accountability. Other friendships in my life. People that we worked together, we prompted and promoted one another we, we continued mm-hmm. forward in education, and then we had dialogue. I don't enjoy reading a book as much that I don't get to dialogue about yeah. and interact with others. And I'm often able to find out they saw something I totally missed. Yeah. It's like when someone gets up and preaches from a parable that you had preached about a month ago, but they're bringing out this point, you're thinking, I never even saw that. Mm-hmm. But it's the human interaction. So my big thing on the being a learner is to make sure you always remember there's no resource like the human resource. Mm-hmm. Having people in your life, whether maybe you're interacting with the book, for some of you out there, you're audible people or hoopla people, and you're going to be listening while you're driving. I'm big on that. Mm-hmm. I listen to audio even when I'm not interacting. Um, uh, but I, I, my biggest thing in that is interact with the book. Don't just read it. Yeah. So if you got to choose between one or or five over the next month, it, whatever you can do to actually interact. And I would say mix if you want to be well rounded, mix your genres up. Mix the you know from biographies to uh, you know what. And there are times I do even some fictional reading because sure. I love I look at syntax. I like the to watch. We have I'm a narrative preacher, mm-hmm. and so it helps shape the way I tell stories. Um, and I, I was writing an article two days ago that I wrote, um, I wrote the initial, actually I was writing a preface is what it was. I was writing a preface and I wrote the first paragraph. I just did not like the first sentence. And all of a sudden my mind went to the way something was worded in a fictional book and it hit me. Okay. If I just add fabric here, Mm -hmm. it takes that, what feels as a non-existent, non-real, very mundane kind of. And all of a sudden, it puts life to the reader. Yeah. So those little things, interaction, um, being well-rounded, and make sure that you don't, don't read to impress. If you're reading to impress, make sure the person you're trying to impress is the Lord. Um, r- read realistic. Yeah. Read at your level. It's okay. You're going to read somebody like 
uh, Max Lucado, it's going to feel a lot different than if you're reading D.A. Carson. I mean, <laughs> you know, you you be honest about what you're reading and what speed and what level you mm-hmm. can read those. Yeah. Um, very easy surface reading is like taking a drink of water, and there's going to be times you need that just to pull illustration. When it comes to collegiate level or even if you're out there and you're uh, deeper in education or maybe just your personal uh, continued education and research, you know, commentaries read different. Um, Be honest about that. And my great encouragement is to interact with the text. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned uh, writing. Where, Where can people find your writings? You know, I have some articles that have been published. Inside Out Magazine. Yeah, Pentecostal Life. Yeah. um, Stuff like that. I'm writing more and more. Obviously, Perspectives. Mm -hmm. Starting in September, I'll have a monthly column in Perspectives Magazine. If you're not a subscriber, maybe you should be. Absolutely. Just a little little plug there. Appreciate the, the hard work of the team down there. And so, yeah, you'll find that I write a lot of my stuff in narrative and story form as well. Uh, my goal is always to bring life to, to the men and women of text, yeah. to make sure that we don't look at them. We have to take a first century view of them, but we have to put them into a 21st century understanding mm-hmm. so that we really can, if I can associate with Peter or Paul yeah. or John, if, if I can try to feel myself walking next to them, it makes it more realistic for me to duplicate and interact. Yeah. Duplicate and interact. So we're going to interact with you in the Perspectives magazine. Uh, We can follow you on Instagram also. Yeah, Josh Carson VSM on Instagram. Okay. And Twitter. Since Since we... Started with a really deep question. Let me end with another deep question. What is the VSM? I've wondered often. Vision Student Ministries. It's oh, just okay. an old, yeah, yeah, an old tag. It was a we built a youth group basically from scratch. Twenty started, you know, there again twenty yeah. years ago. So a little nod to and the beginning. A, yeah, it's a vibrant. I keep a I keep a road sign in my office from the town where I'm at. Um, I always kept it at headquarters. I keep it with me so that when I walk in the office, I see it. It always reminds me who I am. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for giving us a little sneak peek at oh, what an honor. who you Thanks. are. And uh, we are excited about the Indiana Bible College school year on campus. Uh, podcast listeners will be able to hear you first chapel, and then we'll probably try and get you on a few more times uh, for various and sundry things. Pastor Carson, thank you so much. Hey, thank you very much. It's been an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Yes, sir.